Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode where I get to speak to incredible people from around the world, leaders from around the world. And uh, today's leader is no less. Um, we met a few weeks ago, uh, Naomi and I, and um, I was really struck by some of the things that Naomi was saying from her experience and some of her leadership philosophy. It really resonated with where I come from. So we ended up having another conversation after uh, we sort of parted ways. And I've managed to persuade her to come onto this podcast to share this leadership philosophy. I think it's really, really powerful. But before I welcome uh, Naomi, I just want to explain who she is. Naomi is the Deputy Chief Executive and Director of Policy and research at the Learning and Work Institute. We'll find out more about that. Uh, I'm intrigued by that organization. Um, what I have found with Naomi, when I look back into your career, though, is that you have this innate sort of service mindset, uh, which uh, really does resonate with me. Uh, you've spent several years at British Red Cross, Breast Cancer, uh, Breast Cancer Now, Mind, the General Pharmaceutical Council, Humanist UK. So all of these organizations for me are all about service and serving other people. And, uh, and it, I guess this is like a, a central core to who you are, is it? Thank you so much um, for that lovely introduction. Yes. So I, I think that's right. So most of my career has been spent, um, I did a bit in central government, but in local government, um, been in been in regulation but mostly in the charity sector and working in organizations of different sizes and different types but there is definitely something about working for organizations with a real purpose and mm -hmm. where they are really trying to make positive change for people and being part of that um i've always found really inspiring um and i think that has been a thread throughout my career and where, where does that come from, Naomi? Where does this, where does this desire, this innate sort of core principle of yours comes from around wanting to serve uh, other people? I mean, I grew up in what was, you know, quite a political household. So I suppose even from a young age, I've always been really interested in, in politics and what really makes a difference and values as well. So um, mm. really thinking about the kind of principles and values that people live their lives by. Um, and that's really sort of taken me through. And, and a lot of the roles that I have played throughout my career are very much in around um, government relations, um, influencing advocacy, as well as research. Um, and strategy. And I would say I am less party political now, um, certainly than I used to be or ever, ever have been probably, um, but very political still in the sense of you really wanting 
to make changes and make change mm. at scale. And I think there's something really powerful in my experience, particularly about working with other people, working with other organizations, working with incredible people, um, to have that collective of, of really trying to perfect change and affect change at scale that is going to be better now and in the future. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've mentioned, uh, I think, a very, very important word, values. Um, oftentimes I, I work with all sorts of leaders and, you know, if I'm doing some leadership coaching or maybe some leadership development work with a, a senior team or a senior individual, I often ask about values and, you know, what is it that, that uh, what is your core driving force within you? What are, what are the moral principles, the ethical principles that guide your life? Because, of course, we know that, you know, the, the values that we hold, whether we know what they are or not, they inevitably uh, – influence the decisions that we make the pathways that we take the things and uh, things that we do and say throughout our entire life um but i'm always surprised that the vast majority of the leaders that i i speak to other leadership teams can't really uh, sort of clarify on their values often what they'll do is they'll point to a poster on the wall and say hey those are my values and i have to say no they're the values of your organization what are your values what what are your values that drive you? And I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but I, I can see that you're somebody who has thought about this. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> I should, that is a question that I really should have prepared for because I should probably have right here. My top three things that really drive me <laughs> in terms of my values. But there is something about that collective piece and being driven to make real change. I think um, I think hard work, you know, really being determined. I think that that's important. Um, mm. And I think when, when we met um, a couple of weeks ago, the phrase that came to my mind was really do better. Um, and I think that for me, when you look around, and I think particularly when you're engaged in, in social purpose, um, is around not just settling for the status quo, which is quite easy, things are basically okay. Yes. Um, but actually doing a bit better, and I mean that from a really personal perspective of um, really trying to make sure that you, you're kind of fulfilling the ambitions that you set for yourself and that I think definitely in a leadership position, that kind of whole leading by example thing. But also, yes. and this is, you know, when I think when you can look around and you can see people potentially in leadership positions where you think, you know, you're not doing a very good job. <laughs> you're not doing the best that you can be doing. And actually yeah. you should be doing better because your team's, um, deserve you to be putting everything in that doesn't mean that you're perfect by any means and everyone you know if we didn't make mistakes then we wouldn't be human but it's around putting that effort in and actually I think there's something else as well which is is also speaking up more or trying to change things when you can see things are not being done properly and I think for me that is a I don't know if that's a value or something that I'm really trying to develop in my own leadership where it's yeah, I suppose it's that leading by example, but also, you know, not calling out for, you know, not calling out bad behavior in that sense, but just kind of not settling. Yeah, I have a phrase uh, that's just come to my mind over the last six months or so, and I talk about it an awful lot. And I think it's almost a bedrock of um, the foundation as to whether some, some things get done or they don't get done. And that for me is leadership courage. Yeah, And I think that's what you're talking about, having the leadership courage to do what is right, to stand up for what is right, and to speak out when things aren't right. Um, and I think 
that's sort of where you're coming from. Is that right? I think that is right. And I think that's an ambition which um, I, for me, definitely am working on <laughs> um, mm. and am getting better out with practice, I think. And I've seen really good examples where I think it's been really effective, for example, where um, where people have used their voice or acted in different ways, which has led to improvements. And I think I think that's something where it, it's a kind of ideal for me, but I'm not necessarily always there yet not having that that confidence always I suppose um to do that I think there's something else as well just around integrity and I think that's you know the part of kind of leading for example but actually behaving in a way where you are um as uh as as being as honest to yourself and to other people as well that you're not trying to trick anyone or they're you know, not really trying to, well, you don't necessarily have like an ulterior motive for what yes. you're doing. And yeah. um, that doesn't mean telling everyone everything all the time. But I think what I really dislike, I think, and I've seen it in, in leadership sometimes is where you feel like there's something else happening behind the scenes, you know, that you're kind of being asked to do something or that you're, that I've seen kind of people being led in a way that you just think, I don't think that they're all necessarily working for that shared purpose. There's something else happening. And Mm. I, for me personally, I think kind of leading with integrity where you, you believe what you are doing and therefore can lead other people in that way. It's really important. And and, and one of the things that we talked about in our conversation when we did meet a couple of weeks ago, which I think uh, connects to what you've just talked about around that leadership integrity is uh, we talked about the concept of whole, uh, the whole concept of servant leadership. Yeah. Uh, and in my mind, that definition is a very simplistic definition. It is about understanding that positions of leadership are not about the ego. They are actually about serving those people that you are leading. Uh, and when you sort of think of leadership in that way, it sort of changes the way that you see leadership and maybe the the style of leadership that you then adopt as a consequence of that philosophy um, and I talked about, you know, one of my guiding principles in life is a four-letter word called seva, which uh, is, a, is an Indian word. In many of the Indian languages, it means the same thing. It means selfless service. And everything that I do has to be about selfless service, has to be about the, the other people rather than about myself. And I think that's what you're alluding to, really. This whole concept of integrity is about doing and saying the right thing, having leadership courage to be able to do that. But actually being able to do that uh, and enabled by the philosophy that this isn't about me. It's about the people that I'm leading and the outcomes that I'm supposed to be uh, delivered. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. And I know the kind of people that I want to follow, you know, in terms of that leadership or to, to learn from. And I think you've, you know, the way you just described it there is, is, is really, um, yeah, really fits with that, with that kind of ideal picture, mm. I suppose, of, yeah, that you want to you want to be able to believe in people and believe that they're trying to do the right thing and accepting that it may not happen or it may there may be lots of bumps along the way. Yeah. And and I think when you have that leadership mindset, then you can you're more inclined to um to be a learning leader, a curious, a constantly curious leader about learning, going forward and learning. But often we find that many, many organizations have these innate sort of, um, maybe not obvious, but 
but they are certainly there, these blame cultures that exist where when things go wrong, it's about finger pointing rather than saying, hey, collectively, how can we learn? And I love the example that you use. I was absolutely transfixed uh, by, you know, what you were talking about in your experiences with the British Red Cross. Uh, mindful of the fact that, you know, they go to some of the most challenging places in the world and they have incredible challenges ahead of them in, in everything that they do. But the philosophy that you described was, um, I have to say, made me feel very warm. Um, do you want to just describe that? Sure. So I think when we were talking, so I, so I joined the Red Cross um, at the very end of 2016, very beginning of 2017. Um, and I was their, their first ever director of policy and advocacy. So there's lots of internal change happening at the time um, yeah. as well. And I was just sort of getting my feet under the table. Um, and 2017 was a, was a really challenging year there were a series of terror attacks in london and manchester and the grenfell tower fire so just a series yeah. of absolutely horrific um events where thousands of people have been affected um and many lives were lost um and the red cross i think potentially might have been unique in uh, from a voluntary sector organization in responding to all of those providing working alongside the statutory blue light um responders working alongside um, uh, local authorities, um, working alongside many other voluntary sector organisations of different sizes, um, national and local, but in terms of working there to provide immediate humanitarian response to people, it, all of those. And it was a huge, it was unprecedented in terms of response, I think, for mm. kind of so many organisations. And I think there the response was overall incredible i mean i think you see the very best of people when people come together and respond in a crisis um and the overall response i think was you know incredible um but there were issues and i think what i learned very much from that very challenging year um kind of being thrown in right at the deep end alongside many mm. others um was that actually what i think I found most impressive was the senior leadership um, was really committed to learning and not just saying, well, you know, we've, we've done, we've done what we're here to do. We're, uh, um, you know, the emergency responders, we've done our job, we've done a really good job. And I have to say that, you know, the people that um, I had the privilege of working alongside was just absolutely incredible from the front line through the organization, but actually we didn't get it all right. And um, my chief executive, um, he's still chief executive now, and um, for a few more months, Mike Adamson, was very open. And I feel like I learned a huge amount from his leadership and the mm -hmm. way that his, he led his senior team um, in terms of saying, you know, that kind of sense of do better. This is, maybe wasn't quite good enough and really being open to understanding where potentially we could have done better as an organisation. And yeah. again, it, from, from my perspective, and I worked, although I wasn't on the front line, I worked hand in hand with the operational team throughout my time at the Red Cross, and particularly in that year, I worked, had a real genuine privilege of working very closely with the chief executive and the senior leadership team. Um, and what I saw was a genuine openness, no blame, um, but very much an openness to understand, you know, where, what, what was really good and where, mm -hmm. what could have been better. And, and some of that, what could have been better was not necessarily just in our 
own response, actually, but but how we worked with other organisations and how whether we were really putting people at the heart of it. So your podcast around human centred leadership, you know, we, we had a lot of soul searching around. Are we really providing a human centred response? Um, and that really was the start of a, well, I'm assuming it's a, an ongoing programme of work, but a huge few years of really hard work unpacking things that we'd always thought were were the right way to do yeah. things challenging ourselves and and questioning is that could we have done this better how do we do things in future you know how do we strengthen relationships um and i was was part of those conversations i led a, a um a series of work around um understanding research learning reports um that were kind of implemented and one of the things that I really um, admired from that time and I think I've always taken with me is, is that kind of consistent leadership of vulnerability. Um, because I feel like in a way that we didn't necessarily, the chief executive and the leadership team just didn't necessarily have to enter into that kind of whole program of reform and change. But it was because it was the right thing to do. And that's real leadership of integrity. Yes. Are we living our values? Are we living those values of, of, um, of a humanitarian organization as well as we possibly can? And what might have been the right response a few years ago, the world is changing. It may not be. And therefore, how do they, how do we need to change and adapt? Absolutely. And there's all this talk, isn't there, of, Agile leadership, adaptability. Yeah. This is the kind of language that there is really going around ever since uh, lockdown, really. Uh, and, and it is about this changing landscape, yeah. these, these shifting sands in which we live and exist nowadays. Uh, so consequently, as you quite rightly say, what was fitted last time might not fit this time and it might not work. Uh, I want to touch upon a word that you use. And, you know, we are talking about human centered mm. leadership here and you use a really powerful word, which I think, by the way, is an overused word now. But I think in the context of where, where you came from really does fit into what you're talking about here. And that is vulnerability. Um, now, we talk about vulnerability. Um, we have heard the word so many times. And I very often wonder whether people actually understand the power of vulnerability. What, what do you think, what part does vulnerability play, uh, do you think, in this whole concept of building trust and being open and, and learning? If you don't display that, I think, as a leader, then you're kind of putting up the walls. You're saying that mm -hmm. there's no problem here. I don't need to change, you know, what I'm doing is the right thing, what we're doing is the right thing. And I think in order to really challenge yourself and, and improve and keep moving forward and, and make some of those difficult decisions or, or really need change that is going to be effective, you have to be open and say, do you know what, I'm not perfect or this isn't perfect or I made the wrong decision or to say, you know what, I think actually it was the right decision and it was really hard and I've, you know, I've, these other consequences have happened. But I think having that transparency for me is, is linked to that kind of open dialogue. Um, uh, sorry, it's vulnerabilities open to that kind of um, uh, uh, open dialogue where it's where you have to be in a position where you are willing to take feedback, where you yeah. are open to criticism. And sometimes that criticism is not nicely kind of packaged up with a kind of um and here's some constructive feedback for you sometimes especially when you're working in very challenging situations with a lot of pressure actually sometimes feedback can be quite um 
quite harsh and very direct sometimes and and actually I think having that that sense of it's not necessarily about me but having the kind of being able to take a step back and, and really try and understand where other people are coming from and I think that I think that is just from what I've observed and from what I hope that I will continue to keep practicing is that that's really important I think for me there's a slight difference between vulnerability and emotion so I think it's a kind yes. of um I think sometimes when people feel like they're being vulnerable, they've got to be very emotional. And I and I think they're actually quite different things. And one, again, I suppose one of the um, things I've observed throughout working in different organisations and really kind of progressing um, in through various leadership roles is that actually I think that um, having a bit of control on emotions, uh, not to kind of, um, you know, not to try and make yourself, um, not to close down, but not, keep, not to become like a robot. Not to become like a robot, but to be able to keep a bit of control on your emotions or the or the emotional feelings of those around you, so that you can be um, genuinely vulnerable, genuinely open. And and um, because what I think is that sometimes you know, especially when you're working in heated situations, it might happen every day, or you might be dealing with huge um, events, or it might be um, a really knotty problem that you've got to work with. I think the when leaders become too can become quite uh, too overtly emotional i don't mean passionate about what they're doing but i mean they're kind of you can really see what yeah. they really think and they're driving from there that can actually close off conversations that can make people back off a little bit and i think it can also affect uh, the quality of the decision making as yes. well so i call it limbic thinking so when you're in the limbic part of your brain and your your decision making process is driven by your emotions then sometimes you make poor quality emo, uh, poor quality decisions. Whereas if you come into the prefrontal cortex, which is where rationale exists, where the regulation exists, and you can make much more logical thought through decisions, that is about taking the emotion out of it, accepting it for what it is, accepting your emotion, but taking the emotion out of it, out of the decision-making process and going through a structured sort of process. That is how, you know, when I was... Um, uh, senior operational commander uh, for major incidents, that is what I would have to do. I would have to close off my emotion, understand it for what it is. But in order for me to make high quality decisions, I had to work through a process. And in order to work through a process, you have to do it with this part of your brain. Yeah. Um, and I think there is something in what you say around, you know, if you're constantly going out, just demonstrating or, or, or showing emotion, I'm not entirely sure whether that, uh, has a, the the desired effect necessarily. I don't think it necessarily has a positive Im impact on the people around you because at the end of the day, particularly in those command and control dynamic yeah. situations, people are looking for leadership Definitely. and they're looking for a robust kind of leadership in that moment. Um, vulnerability can still show through. You can still say, well, I don't, I, I don't know how to do this, but you know what, I'll get some experts around me and I'll still lead. So that's an example of vulnerability for me. And I think vulnerability and, and emotions are two different yeah, things. You're absolutely right. right. Uh, but I do, I do find that sometimes people over-egg the concept of vulnerability simply because they don't understand it and they come across far too emotive. Uh, or they, they demonstrate vulnerability in a very shallow kind of way because, and they demonstrate it only because they know that vulnerability, authenticity are, are really powerful skill sets yeah. uh, and recognized to be powerful skill sets in today's world. So you see people sort of almost playing at being vulnerable uh, and being overly vulnerable as well.
because it becomes a bit of a trend. It's almost a, a trend kind of thing, you know? So you're working uh, right now in the uh, Learning and Work Institute. I have to look down here because <laughs> it's quite a mouthful. I want to make sure I say it right. I, I'm intrigued by that. I've read a bit about the Learning and Work Institute and I think it's a uh, great work, but do you want to just put it in your words, what it is that it's all about? What's the mission? So it's a, it's a charity, but it's, um, it's a, a think tank and a research and policy organisation. It's got a long history of actually over we just celebrated the centenary so over 100 years um and it really we're really about creating an evidence base of what works to support people into into jobs um into learning celebrating kind of learning reskilling throughout the life so to say that your learning doesn't stop when you finish school and that's it which is often how the um the system is kind of structured um in this and other countries but actually the um helping what's needed to help people fulfill their potential and there's a big mm. impact or influencing piece of that as well so it's say well what needs to change in order to support full employment um, and learning um, throughout the life course and it's um it's it, it's really interesting you know it's great work that you're doing how does uh, your work within the institute link into the wider society and those that make those just critical decisions in society You've described it as a think tank. So, you know, where does it sit within the whole process? I think it, we we are really focused on evidence. And so evidence-based policy and, and how do you make change um, based on what you think is, is really going to work? Um, so, again, I've, I've mentioned collaboration before, but um, one of the real strengths of, of the organisation and the wider sector is to work in collaboration with others. So, um mm -hmm you know that works in coalition that's in various partnerships research is done in partnership um try and use our voice bring people together um and so on because i think there's um there's a lot of power in that i think the the kind of reflections for me i suppose is um uh when i left the red cross i think um I was really looking for a bit of change. So I, I really loved it. I mean, I'm, I'm very passionate about it. I'm very passionate about the people, the, the cause, most of all, of course. And I learned a huge amount throughout my time there. Um, but, and a lot of those values and leadership that I'd seen and, and hopefully demonstrated as well took us through the pandemic. So I was leading teams and emergency response organizations through the pandemic, which came obviously with lots of challenges, um, but huge learning and opportunities as well. And I think, um, I just, after all of that, I was, I was sort of ready for a bit of a change and I couldn't quite see, I think that whole kind of thinking about doing better, I felt like mm -hmm. I'd really given a huge amount and I just wasn't, I couldn't quite see at the time, how do I really keep adding value? How can I keep, yeah. you know, my motivation up? How do I really keep adding value as a, you know, to this organization and to this cause at this time. And I just couldn't quite, I mean, I could keep doing the job, but I just couldn't quite see that. I couldn't quite see the path for me. And therefore I kind of also was, was pretty tired and, and kind of wanted a bit of a change. And I think for me, very interested in leadership and interested in senior leadership. Um, um, but what I definitely have learned from working and observing leaders that I really admire is the depth of experience that they have. So I think that I've kind of always, you know, I've wanted to be promoted. I've wanted to move up in that vertical way. And actually, yeah. I think in a way that, you know, you can do that. And I have done that. Um, but it's really, for me, it's that kind of also the experience, the breadth of experience that actually yeah. it's doing different things and working in different organizations and 
and finding different ways to work. So I've moved to an organization which is quite different in size and scale to, to, to any of the organizations or many of the organizations I've potentially worked in before. Um, I'm working with real experts. My current chief executive, my direct reports, the heads are incredible experts. And I am like, for me, it's how do I really add value here? Because I'm coming from um, a different sector that there's lots of crossover working on human centered um, issues. How do I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working with, you know, renowned experts. I am not going to be that expert. <laughs> this is not my, um, this is not um, what I've kind of, um, what I can offer. So as a leader, as a senior leader, how do I really add value to this organization, add value to this cause? And I think for me, that is the driving piece. And, mm. and for me in this role, I am doing some of the functional work, absolutely. And that's where I can bring some skills and, and my expertise and experience. But also it's that wider brief. It's looking across the organization. It's bringing what I've learned from working in different organizations and with different kind of leadership teams and structures um, and saying, well, how can we keep improving what we're doing here? How can I, I think that yeah. point, I don't know, it's quite, I don't know if I'd phrase it really quite servant leadership in terms of my approach, but, def, but definitely that kind of, what am I really good at? Certainly a growth mindset, isn't yeah. it? A growth mindset that I think that is driven by this concept of service that we started off with. Uh, so it seems to me that everything that you're doing and have done seems to be embedded around this concept of service, you know, and you've, Hence, you've worked in the public services, public-facing services. Uh, some of those have been more acute yeah. than others, uh, but um, you could have quite easily have, you know, gone and, you know, if you wanted that breadth of leadership, gone into the private sector. But everything has been around the charity and the public sectors for you, uh, and long may that continue. Um, uh, we've covered so much. I can't believe that we've moved from values through to servant leadership, through to you know blame cultures, and, uh, and 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 finally ending up with what I think is like this constant curiosity of leadership uh, philosophy. Um, I, I want to thank you, Naomi, for joining us today. I've really, really enjoyed listening to you. I've purposely just let you talk because there's so much value in what you've got to say, you know, um, and I hope that uh, to see you soon, very, very soon. Thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. Take care. Have a great day.